Hey again, Pastor Susan. Hey, Pastor Joel. Welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back. And uh, unlike uh, last time where we were dealing with uh, maybe ugly Paul, this time <laughs> we're dealing with maybe some of the most beloved chapters mm. of First Corinthians. Oh, uh, I appreciate and... that level of comfort and <laughs> going into some of the softer, nicer parts of Paul. Thanks, that's Paul. Right. That's yeah. right. You, you got some stuff right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll also be hitting a couple of the chapters of Second Corinthians, mm. it looks like today. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump right in. Yeah. So I have to tell you, starting with chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters of all time, the different mm. gifts of the body, right? It's so exciting. I think it's one of the beautiful things of the body of Christ mm. to see all the different parts. And when they function together as one, it is like a symphony. Right. And it's such an exciting thing to see how all the gifts of God can come together um, and, and help each other. Mm. Is this a justification in scripture for personality types? <laughs> <laughs> the two have certainly been right, um, right. used together, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I mean that mostly tongue in cheek, um, because of course, spiritual gifts are gifts given by God's mm -hmm. spirit. They're gifts that, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't possess, we don't take mm -hmm. ownership of them in the same way that perhaps we take ownership of how we're wired, mm -hmm. um, but are for like specifically for, uh, and I think it's key, the, the upbuilding of mm. the body of Christ, um, that if it's beneficial to the fellowship of the church, well and good. But if the quote unquote gifts are being used in ways that tear the church apart, then okay, not only do we have a problem, but I think Paul would have a problem with that as mm. well. Yes, I think that's true. Yep. One of, one of the uh, professors I remember I had in seminary would talk about um, the the Holy Spirit being the bringer of koinonia, the bringer, mm -hmm. uh, koinonia, the Greek word meaning fellowship or communion, and that it's where fellowship or communion is present mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit is. And so uh, that, that sort of comes to mind when I think of spiritual gifts. And of course, you know, there are lots of you know, a few different lists that the New Testament has of spiritual gifts. One of them happens here in verses 27 through 28. Um, you've also got Paul having a slightly different one in Romans. Um, and, and it's, I think that the spirit works in ways that we can quantify and the spirit also works in ways that we can't hope to quantify. Mm -hmm. Which I'm thankful for as well. Right. Um, I, I do think like different churches that I've been a part of have different experiences with mm. spiritual gifts, right? Some, sometimes they're, they're talked about and really celebrated in the same way that personality tests can be talked about and become really like fads. Right. Um, there can be tests. I've taken tests that are, you know, one through 30, answer these questions. Let, let me tell you your spiritual gifts, yeah. which is a fun exploration. And I think helpful to kind of help point people in avenues of service and ways to practice and really develop those skill sets um, can be really useful. Other times, you know, we may say spiritual gifts, what are those? <laughs> right. Uh, um, but I think each in each community, it's recognizing that there's one Lord, as Paul says, mm. and many parts. Um, right. So we can celebrate the diversity and the distinctiveness of each gift and each member mm -hmm. and separate uh, and celebrate those differences, um, all that coming together to worship and serve one Lord. Which is, I think, why Paul couches the, the hymn to love mm -hmm. in the middle of his 
discursus, mm-hmm. is that a word, excursus, on, on spiritual gifts, because they're all designed to point to love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it can be easy, I think, for those of us who may have a particular spiritual gift, but not another, to either look down on that other spiritual gift, be like, oh, why is that necessary? Or to like think, oh, I could never achieve that sort of you know, work, that sort of importance, mm-hmm. but, but all of the spiritual gifts, as, as you said, are for the flourishing of, of Christ's body. And mm-hmm. so love ties them together mm-hmm. and allows for us not to be jealous, mm-hmm. envious, or to be condescending mm-hmm. to those who may have different spiritual gifts than we do. Mm, absolutely. It's interesting. You know, if you look at, in, as we move into chapter 13, as you mentioned that that really is the crescendo of all the different gifts that so often right is used in wedding ceremonies and services of worship when people join their lives together and want to commit to living a loving life in relationship with each other mm-hmm. um, a lot of times we break that apart and we forget that it follows right the roles of spiritual gifts and the body of Christ that is together one I also, I, I, one of the things that was new for me when I was playing with this chapter shortly after becoming a Presbyterian later in life was the idea of not only people having certain spiritual gifts, but denominations mm. um, really manifesting these gifts as sort of the fullness of the body of Christ. It's a way of being able to celebrate uh, the unity that we have within our diversity right. um, and that and then there's the invitation not to, you know, dunk on other denominations for not, quote unquote, getting it right or not having the same gifts, perhaps, as we as Presbyterians have. But in order to uh, instead to see them as partners and siblings, other necessary parts of the body that are doing work that we can't do because we're not gifted mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. and love is key there mm-hmm. um, not just for weddings although definitely for weddings too, too right <laughs> yeah it's true yeah that's um I, a few years ago at a montreat youth conference i remember that our, our youth group attended this was one of the main themes of the week and i remember them uh, having volunteers come up on stage and one of our youth group members coming up and putting on a giant ear, right? Uh, and, you know, there were different parts of bodies that, I mean, the parts, you know, hand, ear, foot, and it was just like a great visual to see all the different parts. And they talked in that, um, use that as an example to talk about the different communities that represent these different spiritual gifts and how can we come together? How can we listen? How can the ear listen and appreciate um, and affirm and, and the feet, you know, not just kicking up dust, right. um, mm-hmm. but lay traction for, for helping build unity across those denominational divides. So how do we deal then with gifts like tongues? Mm. I can't help. I just like saw in my mind a big You're mouth right. up on the stage <laughs> from Mondrian. That's exactly what my yeah. mind went. That's funny. Um, yeah, how do we deal with tongues? I don't know uh, for our listeners if they've had experience or are at all, um, you know, kind of versed in that in, mm. with any type of history of tongues. But I know I, when I was in college, had friends and attended a Pentecostal church for a few few months, mm-hmm. and that was a place where tongues were really a common part of their worshiping life together, mm. and um, it was at times 
kind of exciting, I think, and interesting to think what is it, what what's happening here, what's going on. It seemed like a really spiritual moment, mm-hmm. um, and and at other times really kind of intimidating to feel like, wait, this doesn't feel like my language, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I can appreciate that there are places where tongues are used, and there that it's a, just like all gifts. It's not a gift that everyone has. Mm-hmm. I remember being in also in college leading a worship service It was a small worship service with with some folks and it was a bunch of different denominations getting together and one person spontaneously began speaking Mm. in tongues and i had no idea what to do Mm. um, because i had not seen that before and and i was feeling really uncomfortable and i wonder if there's an invitation there to be uncomfortable to be Mm. comfortable with the discomfort of how god's spirit sometimes moves Mm -hmm. where even if we as presbyterians may not be known for our speaking in tongues in the same way that pentecostal congregations or charismatic congregations are that like we might if if we're not running into that then maybe we need to have a more comprehensive picture Mm. of the body of christ Mm. maybe we need to as as you did in college you know have have some friends and and some worshiping communities Mm. that we participate in here and again that are Pentecostal. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It, that's, you know, it just reminds me of the the story of Pentecost, which mm. I often, to be honest, I often pray with expectation and, and anticipation rather um, for the day of Christ's return and the and this experience of that I think of so beautifully of the experience of Pentecost when the tongues of fire came upon the disciples and um all the different languages were heard and understood and that that in that way the differences were both heard and celebrated but there was still this deep level of connection and unity mm-hmm. in the church through god's spirit and just what an incredible gift mm-hmm. later on in chapter 14 um, we have this strange passage uh, where uh, in my Bible, it's a parenthetical that translators have put it in there um, where Paul talks about women should be silent in the churches that they're not permitted to speak. They can ask their husbands at home if there's anything they desire to know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here comes grumpy Paul again. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Tricky. I, I mean, I kind of wish Paul didn't include this part, right? Um, it just seems discoherent or, you know, disjointed from other parts of the story. And I wonder, like, we, when we were talking about this before recording, you'd mentioned that the, there are some places in these chapters that are very enculturated, where Paul seems mm-hmm. to be speaking in context in a particular time in a particular place. And I know that um, uh, later on, when Paul gives some instructions to Timothy, there's a particular situation in the church that Timothy's serving mm-hmm. um, that... Paul gives instructions that are not universal for women and for men, but that are particular for that context. And I wonder if there's a similar context here, because even earlier in Corinthians, Paul talks about women praying and prophesying. Uh, So I don't know. This this is one where I, 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 I don't quite know what to do with this passage other than say it, it's clearly like since it kind of contradicts something Paul right. said just right. three chapters ago right. the quote-unquote plain reading of scripture doesn't suffice here because mm-hmm. um, otherwise you arrive at Paul contradicting himself and right. Paul's thoughtful enough and logical enough Paul right. wouldn't do that right and I, I think it 
but like the historians will say, like the, this particular community is addressing women who were really raucous in a way that mm. were they were affecting and prohibiting the ability to be in worship together. Mm. And I think that you know Paul's appeal to order yeah. is to say, hey, take account of kind of the cultural standards of the day mm-hmm. and, and for each other that we need to hold each other mm-hmm. in a standard of order, right. um, not to match the culture of the day. Because I think a lot of what Paul says in other places f- really fights for the justice mm-hmm. and equity of all people. Right. Um, but in this way, it's, but I still can't help but say, man, I wish Paul would have said just straight out, like didn't bother sort of playing to culture in that time mm. and, and just said from the beginning, like, let's make it right. Right. But um, I think this is a way where he's trying to get his foot under the door, mm. right. Or to keep it open a little bit and say, Hey, we have to keep it in, take into account the culture you're in, who your neighbors are, the messages that are mm-hmm. being portrayed. I do think that in in sort of the whole push of 12 to 14, Paul is aiming toward mm-hmm. a healthy church um, in, in a way where all people can be invited into the work that God's spirit is doing, which mm-hmm. means that you can't have folks running roughshod over one another. Right. Uh, and, and this is where we as Presbyterians get this idea of doing things decently and in order that there is room for the spirit of God to move and to move in unexpected mm-hmm. ways. God mm-hmm. is doing a new thing, but God is also the same yesterday, mm-hmm. today, and forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, you know, it's worthwhile pointing out just as we talked about the discomfort of hearing um, the gifts of prophecy and tongues that now here is Paul talking about the order of worship, mm-hmm. right? That right. both of these things are meant to be held together. Right. Uh, one note before we move on to the next chapter is that there are some uh, theologians who would say the gifts of prophecy and tongues have ended. Mm. Um, and the Presbyterian church, I think has all different perspectives represented mm-hmm. within it. Although mm-hmm. um, I think you had mentioned pastor Susan, that, that Calvin was of the opinion perhaps that, Prophecy and tongues were extraordinary gifts for a particular time for the building up of the church. Um, Wherever folks fall on the spectrum, I mean, I know that I'm fond of uh, the idea that there are more things in heaven and on earth Mm. ratio than are dreamt of in your imagining. Mm. Uh, And I would say that for tongues and prophecy as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I am fond of the Holy Spirit in all forms (laughs) and all times and all places. And so however that comes, I welcome. discomfort in all um yep yep being comfortable with being uncomfortable this is sort of the name of the game i suppose um chapter 15 is Mm. it's a rad chapter it is a lot of resurrection going on in chapter 15 chapter yeah it's very dense Um, um yeah again i think the very bringing back like this idea in really deepening the idea of the body of Christ and the resurrection of yeah, Christ. Yeah. What does it mean to be resurrected? That's right. And if the church is Christ's body and Christ's body did not perish, then the mm-hmm. church also will not perish, but will be, you know, will rise again at the last mm-hmm. day. Um, and there's something in here where 
Like it, it, it seems as if, um, where, where does Paul say it? Like, uh, yeah, it's in 53, verse 53. This perishable body must put on imperishability. Mm-hmm. Mortal body must put on immortality. It's as if there's, there's some sort of correlation between who we are now and who we will be then. Mm-hmm. It's not, it is a transformation, but it's not unrecognizable in the same way that the disciples recognize Jesus. Mm. I imagine that we too will recognize those we love who Mm. we meet again in heaven Mm. in these new bodies. It's I think really interesting sometimes talking with children about this concept because they will ask like such clear and pointed (laughs) questions that can really stymie Mm -hmm. one, um, but also point us to truth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, well, Will I recognize my loved one? Will they be young or old? Um, will they have all abilities? Will right. disabilities persist? Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we don't, I feel like actually my answer to a lot of those questions when I think about them is yes, right? <laughs> will we recognize them? Yes. Will they be young or old? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> will they, right. will abilities be restored? Yes. Like, I do think so. Right. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I, that's where I come to verse 54. Death has been swallowed up in victory, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think death will be swallowed up in victory in, in resurrection. So the particularities of it right. matter. Right. And what matters most right. is that death is swallowed up in victory. Absolutely. Sting is gone. Mm-hmm. Right? The power of, of Christ persists in resurrection life. Mm. Before moving into 2 Corinthians, uh, one quick note on the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul starts it, now concerning the collection for the saints. And I love that because it grounds all of these highfalutin theological ideas mm-hmm. in, in the physical need of like, we need to pay our bills, <laughs> uh, right? Like, like right. he's, he's and, and he goes on and says, you know, put aside and save whatever extra you earn on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that these collections are taken in order to benefit the whole mm-hmm. body of Christ, mm-hmm. that those who have give to those who need. And this mm-hmm. is not sort of, you know, sort of divinely sanctioned communism. This is like, this is an opportunity for us to participate in God's work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as, as he continues that after the collection are made, then I will arrive. And when I arrive, I'll give you letters of introduction and I'll, you know, be about the work of relationships and community life. And so the necessity of collection to help enable our life together. Right. Right. And all the people who accompanied Paul on on the journey who made this happen. Which, yeah. I mean, out of 16 chapters, you know, we have an awful lot of the first and the last naming those people. He's not alone. That's right. He's in a community. Mm-hmm. Moving to Second Corinthians, we've got a couple chapters mm-hmm. on tap here. Um, and Second Corinthians, it's it's a letter that is both kinder and also harsher in some ways than First Corinthians. It's got warmer highs mm-hmm. and it's got saltier lows. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's a fun read. Um, Mm-hmm. I have always liked First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians in the first chapter, mm-hmm. when he talks about receiving the comfort of God, so that we have comfort to share with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think someone a long time ago counseled me, saying, you know, start your day with the light of a candle or a cup of tea. Find some physical action and item that you can really ground yourself with, mm-hmm. and, and to start this time like 
just being intentional to say, God, let me receive from you. Right. Uh, and um, then you can live your day pouring out with what, from what you have received, the overflow, right, of Christ mm. in our lives. And I, I come back to that time and time again. Sometimes it's candle. Sometimes right. it's tea. Most of the time, let's be honest, it's coffee. Uh-huh. Preach, <laughs> preach. Was it, was it Anne Lamont who said that we should start every day with the prayer whatever and end every day with the prayer oh well like in 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 a healthy way this it sounds really cynical but the the whatever is whatever you would have for me god let it be let it let it be which which i think is really neat that's really cool and then the oh well is if i have Mm -hmm. screwed up something i trust it it's trusting it absolutely i think that's really cool i think it goes really well with the idea that you know the God of our Lord Jesus Christ mm. is the Father of mercies and the God of mm. all consolation. Thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee, though, not tea. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities, right? Uh-huh. Priorities. Um, I, uh, there's, there, there was a song that I think got popular, a praise song, not long ago that talked about all of God's promises being yes and amen, which mm. always comes to mind when I read the, the back half mm-hmm. of, of the first mm-hmm. chapter of Second Corinthians. Uh, that it doesn't mean that you know if you only have faith for health, wealth, and prosperity, that God will say yes. That's not so much the idea, but that um, in in Jesus, all of God's promises come to fruition. I think is what Paul is mm. saying here. Mm. That that God is eager to say mm. yes and amen. So be it to everything mm. that that God has promised in mm. Jesus Christ. It's just such a great orientation to life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's that kind of improvisational like faith that really trusts and right. says, okay, I, I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to see what comes alive. I'll take what comes next. That's like, right. and just being, you know, it's that posture and position of readiness. And that improvisational faith, I, I, I'm, I'm struck by that because I, I don't know how many of our listeners have done improv, um, but I know that one of the practices like that you do is the yes and, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. where you don't ever contradict what the other performers or improvisers mm-hmm. are saying or doing, but you add to it, you take it as given, and that God, you know, in Jesus, God is given and 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 even more, yep. right? That the Holy Spirit. Uh, has been put on us in our hearts as a first installment, as as Paul says here. Um, it's yes and. I love Which, that idea. I love it too. And I think it's worth noting that if any of our listeners are like me and their really greatest fear is doing actual improv, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am nonetheless like really drawn to, I think mm. that there's a great freedom in approaching our faith with a yes and type of mm. faith and the improv of, of God, that it is in a stage where we we have to have a clever response, but right. it's really a, a lifestyle mm. that that sees the generosity of God and is willing to pivot and look for how God is ready to say yes and next. What a gift that yeah, is. It is. Mm. Yeah. Um, I know in, in chapter two, uh, there's you know, a little bit about Paul's pain. Um, and I also like, I, I, I was, I was talking to my brother the other day um, and he talked about, he, he just like out of, out of 
left field, he talked about being the aroma of Christ mm-hmm. in his workplace. Um, he's, he's not clergy. And so it's, you know, much more of a countercultural move for him to be mm-hmm. the aroma of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I was struck by like the dedication that mm-hmm. the people of God can have both to scripture and knowing, like having these mm-hmm. terms available and at hand, the aroma of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's something like that's so touching about smell. Mm, so true. Well, and you know, isn't it our memories are tied directly to smell? There's few right. we're really, you know, calls forth a lot of um it's easier to recall right. memories when smells are associated. It so. bypasses like the, the mammalian mm. brain and goes straight to the reptile. Oh, is, cool. Is I didn't is? know that, but that's, I think that that's makes it. sense. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, it, it, because it bypasses, it, it's like we, we are not called to argue people into the kingdom of heaven. That's not mm. the, the, the way of evangelism. The way of evangelism is being the aroma of Christ mm. and like bypassing. It's not that Christianity isn't logical. It very much is. But nobody's been argued into the kingdom of heaven that I know of. Mm. People have been loved into the kingdom of mm. heaven. And that's something that touches the heart in ways that mm-hmm. logic never can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not that apologetics is unnecessary or unimportant, but. But the fragrance of life is pretty compelling. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And, and it's. Um, it also throws into pretty sharp relief. Like if, if you smelled something good, sometimes it can, like, you can notice, okay, stuff is not all right here. It normally hmm. smells good. Now it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I know that sometimes we've, you know, in, in walking through the church building, we've wondered, okay, this mm-hmm. isn't how it normally mm-hmm. smells. It smells actually more like gas. Is there a leak here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once you've experienced the aroma of Christ, the aroma of life, then suddenly you become maybe a a little more aware uh, to the aromas that are not life, right? right. To the aromas of disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that um, we might want to go back to in the end of First Corinthians, beginning of Second Corinthians, before asking some of our final questions? Maybe not. Then let's um, let's move to what God's good news for us is here, and any word or phrase that resonates, and how this chapter encourages us to live differently. Mm-hmm. Feel up to starting, Pastor Susan? Sure, let's. Yeah, I'll be happy to start. What's the good news here? Um, you know, I think. Gosh, I think the good news um, as. First Corinthians comes to a close. Like it just, I, I'm so grounded in the good news and the hope of resurrection, right? That um, as as Paul concludes the 15th chapter, they're saying, therefore, stand firm, let nothing move you, give yourselves mm-hmm. fully to the work of the Lord, uh, because. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, because we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I just think that is incredible news. We can can be grounded. We are known. We are called. And even though there may be the aroma, there may be the sting of death, uh, um, we are given victory through Christ our Lord. 
I'm uh, I'm drawn myself to the idea that love never ends. Mm. Uh, there's there's some gospel truth there, and if everything else has sort of an expiration date, but love doesn't. Mm. Um, I, I I do love me some First Corinthians thirteen. Um, as far as like a word or a phrase that resonates, I um, I think that I would hang out with these ideas of spiritual gifts and how they are for the upbuilding of the body. Um, uh, the way that verse seven of chapter 12 of first Corinthians puts it is um, that this is for the common good. Mm. Uh, and so that, that resonates uh, to, to me at least at this time, what about for you? Yep. Yeah. I'm thinking about the kind of the middle of chapter 12 there. The body is a unit that's made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So mm. it is with Christ. Mm. This is good news. Yeah. This is, this is good news. And um, it's compelling to celebrate and remember to identify the different gifts and to see the one body yeah. that we're given to be in Christ. Uh, how does this passage encourage you to live differently? I'm reminded as we start 2 Corinthians, it's a great invitation to receive God's comfort, to mm-hmm. um, to start that each day with the whatever, right? <laughs> to start with the light of a candle or whatever that might be for you uh, and to be open to how God's lead, God may lead through the day. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll hang out uh, in terms of living differently with this idea of um, being more um, uh, focused on being the aroma of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how, how can I do that in, in this position that I inhabit where that's mm-hmm. kind of expected mm-hmm. um, in, in ways that are maybe surprising because mm-hmm. Jesus himself was surprising too. Yes, indeed. All right. Yeah. Thank well, you for a good conversation, Pastor Susan. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Joel. It's great to keep keep on in the Corinthians and we'll look forward to our next edition, looking at seven more chapters in second Corinthians, Corinthians digging in. It'll be good. Great. All right. See you later.